your host, Peter. And I'm co-host Phoenix. And today we are reviewing Spaceballs, a 1987 comedy, science fiction parody film, written and directed by Mel Brooks, starring Bill Pullman, John Kenny, and Rick Moranis. Planet Spaceballs' President Scrooge sends Lord Dark Helmet to steal Planet Druidia's abundant supply of air to replenish their own, and only Lone Star can stop them. All right, let's get it. This movie is rated PG uh, for today's standards. It should really be PG-13. There's a lot of swearing in here. In the parents' guide, it says that there is a lot of uh, dialogue and actions related to sexual innuendos. Um, there's a few. There's quite a few swearing in it. Um, mostly the sh word, uh, the a hole word is mentioned quite a bit. Um, different versions. Of, well, the b word is used, and the f word I think is said at least once. Uh, and, but that's in a non-sexual um, manner. But so this particular movie is kind of heavy on the language. So throwing that out for any of the parents. Um, but uh, again, it's more PG-13 standards, even though it's uh, rated PG. Okay, the movie starts out with a very long, continuous shot of uh, of a ship called Spaceball One. Did you have any thoughts on the opening scene? It was a really, really long ship. That's, that's all I had to say about that. Yeah, and uh, there's a theme playing in the background. It's not quite the Jaws theme, but it's a play on it. And uh, I think the ship even... Um, they show the ship for like a minute and 38 seconds before it actually cuts to the next scene. It's just to give you an idea of how grand uh, you know this baseball one really is. This ship resembles uh, the Star Destroyer from Star Wars. The opening scene is, um, is supposed to be an homage to the opening scene of Star Wars, uh, which itself is an homage to the, the first shot of Discovery 1 in Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. So inside, we meet a few characters from the movie. There's Dark Helmet and Colonel Sanders. Do you have any thoughts on this? Nope. Okay, do you know who Dark Helmet is a parody of? Oh, yeah, uh, Darth Vader. Okay, and Colonel Sanders? Uh, nope. Okay, he's just um, basically a parody of any of the generals and admirals uh, from Star Wars. No one really in particular. But his uh, name, Colonel Sanders, is actually... Uh, taken from the name of Colonel Sanders of KFC, mm-hmm. right? That's uh, that's Colonel Sanders. But uh, the name is spelled differently, which we don't know unless you watch it with subtitles or even read the credits. But uh, it's spelled differently, really um, phonetically. Uh, it kind of looks German, but I think they do that, uh, obviously, for uh, copyright reasons. Uh, but that's where his name comes from. Uh, so Dark Helmet, uh, the actor is Rick Moranis. Are you familiar with this actor at all? Uh, no, not really. He is known, um, he's a really popular actor from, you know, the 80s and 90s. I can't think of anything recent he's really done, but um, I think you've seen Honey, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, right? Oh, yeah, right. So right. that's the dad. So he kind of plays uh, that type of character. It's kind of, usually kind of nerdy. Um, he has been in a, a lot of other movies, too, like um, Ghostbusters, oh. all right, one and two. So uh, his name was like Lewis. 
Yeah, Lewis Tully. Did you have any thoughts on the uniforms of the of the uh, Colonel Sanders? It it, it kind of resembled a Nazi, I think. Uh, a little bit, and you know, a little bit of the you know for Star Wars as well. Uh, but inside there, um, you see the kind of different computers that they have, right? They have a, a Mister Coffee and a Mister Radar. Uh, I just think it's funny how they label all these types of different mach- um, uh, different computers, machines that they have. Uh, I recently was watching the '66 uh, Batman too, and it kind of reminded me of that because in the Batcave, everything that he has is also labeled too. Uh, which is kind of funny. Like the back computer or stuff like that? Back. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, um, okay, so if you have no other thoughts on here, the next scene is the royal wedding. Here we get to meet uh, Princess Vespa, her um, you know, companion, I suppose, or her maid, uh, Dot Matrix, and King Roland. Um, Princess Vespa, her name is taken from... Um, a motor scooter that was really popular in the 80s. And now, Dot Matrix, what do you think about her? Um, it, she reminds me a lot of C-3PO, probably because it's a parody off him, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, down to the color. The the only thing different, really, is that, that she's female. Okay, and also, um, uh, King Rowland is played by Dick Van Patten. And I don't think you uh, yeah, know anything about him either. I do know he was in a lot of Broadway shows, like yeah. 27, 28. Okay. Um, yeah, Dick Van Patten has been a lot of movies. I'm trying to think of ones that you do know. Uh, you haven't seen it yet, but he is in another Mel Brooks movie called uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, which is um, you know obviously a parody on Robin Hood. See, that's that's the only one you would probably know. So, at this royal wedding, it looks like it's an arranged marriage. Uh, She obviously didn't pick this suitor for herself. And I think she is uh, marrying him because he is a prince. And uh, his name is Prince Valium. Uh, His name is kind of a play on the old comic strip called Prince Valiant. And Valium is, you know, obviously a sedative. So he's constantly yawning and um, tired all the time. But do you have any thoughts on any of these characters? Um, on Prince Valium, he kind of... I don't know, he, he reminds me of some prince that I've seen in a movie before uh, with that hair. I don't, I don't remember where I've seen that hair before. Yeah, well, that that if you... You know, if and when we watch Robin Hood Men in Tights, that's just kind of the style. But if you do watch a lot of the older uh, Disney cartoons, a lot of their hair are styled that way, too. So um, that's uh, obviously that's the look that they're going for. And then from the royal wedding, we go to another scene where we get to meet more of the main characters in here. We see uh, the Eagle Five, which is a Winnebago driven by uh, Lone Star, who is uh, the hero of the movie, and his companion Barf. Uh, Barf is a Mog, so he's half man, half dog. He says as much. Um, Lone Star is he is uh, the character is kind of a, a combination of uh, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. Uh, and he, so he's basically kind of like a, like a space cowboy, I guess you can say when we first see him, he's sleeping right behind the Mm -hmm. wheel and he's got a hat, you know, kind of like, uh, Indiana Jones's hat, right? So what he's wearing is even kind of, you know, kind of resembles Indiana Jones in a way too. What are your thoughts on these two characters? 
Um, well, I know for sure Barf is supposed to be Chewbacca. Right, and Chewbacca and Han Solo were were friends uh, mm. on Star Wars. So this is uh, so uh, so Barf and Lone Star are friends in here too. Um, in in the Winnebago, they their means of communication. Uh, they have uh, FaceTime, I suppose you can say, because the the screen turns on and then we see who is supposed to be like Jabba the Hutt in Pizza the Hutt. Right, obviously a pl- uh, play on Pizza Hut, and his right hand man is Vinny, who is this uh, ro- ro- robotic gangster. Uh, here we learn that Lone Star owes them some money, uh, about one million space bucks. So they're calling to collect. Well, it's it's like a hundred thousand space bucks, and then Pizza makes it one million after. Right. You know. Yeah. So um, that's with interest and such. Um, did you have any thoughts on? Pizza the Hut. I thought it was revolting when I first saw him. Yeah, uh, he is voiced by Dom DeLuise. It's a uh, he's also a comedian uh, who uh, Mel Brooks, the director, likes to use a lot. Uh, the next shot we get a um, we get to see Spaceball City, and a lot of the structures there are shaped like balls. And then we meet President Scrooge, who is played by director Mel Brooks. Uh, now, Mel Brooks, are you familiar with him at all? Not really, no. Okay, he he's done a lot of parodies over over the years, and he's known um, um, mainly for that. Really, he did uh, Robin Hood, Men and Ties, Young um, Frankenstein, which in the movie they pronounce uh, Frankenstein, uh, Blazing Saddles, History of the World. So uh, most of his movies have been parodies, and he likes to uh, use a lot of the same uh, actors for some stuff. But he also likes to appear in a lot of his uh, his own movies too. Uh, so here he plays President Scrooge, and if you even look at the spelling of his name, it's kind of an anagram of his uh, actual last name too, Brooks. So Scrooge is spelled S K R W O B, and so when we see him, he he has a can of Perry Air, which is uh, a play on the actual Perrier. Uh, uh, mineral water, which is a, a French bottled water, and so this is a can of, uh, I'm assuming French air, maybe. Uh, but he probably probably just fresh air that they don't have. Yeah, it is. It is it's a can of fresh air, and the way he, so he opens up the can and starts inhaling it through the nose, and then his I don't, I don't know what she is, but she comes on the screen, you know, interrupts his air sniffing i guess but uh so he puts a can away and obviously you know he's trying to keep these cans to himself um and that kind of already tells us that there's a lack of, uh you know a shortage in air um i don't know in the galaxy or whatever so he's being stingy with a can of air okay i just looked it up and her name is apparently com- uh commanderette zircon uh, but anyway, she's trying to get him to to beam over to where they're at, right? So they got this guy named Snotty, which is a parody of Scotty from Star Trek. And uh, she's trying to convince uh, President Scrooge to beam through. And he hasn't done it yet because he is uh, reluctant to do so. And she's telling him, well, you know, she just did it the other day and it's fine, whatever. So he gives it a shot. So Snotty beams them over, and they even use the same effects from Star Trek. Even the, uh, the sound effects is the same. And when President Scrooge arrives, he's, uh, his head is on backwards, or his body is on backwards, but uh, he looks down and he sees his butt. 
the the beaming kind of screwed up uh, his, his body, and so now his head is on backwards. And he makes a, a pretty funny joke that, um, you know, why hasn't anybody told him that his butt was so big? So they beam him back, and then he goes, you know, forget it. I'm just going to walk over. So this door opens up, and he walks through, and he's already in the other room. So I thought that was pretty funny that uh, through that hassle, he could have just walked over instead of, instead of, you know, beam over. Okay, so President Scrooge goes over, and they are uh, looking at a radar to show that Spaceball 1 is approaching the uh, the princess's um, uh, vehicle. She left the wedding earlier, uh, in the middle of the ceremony. She just kind of ran off, hopped into the car and left with, uh, with Dot. So this is, uh, where we get the a-hole jokes where Dark Helmet finds out that, um, you know, the guy who's shooting was shooting too close to the ship, you know, which could potentially harm the princess and they want her alive. But, uh, so this guy shoots too close, and then Dark Helmet's like, you know, who are you? And, you know, he flips up his visor, and you see his eyes are all crossed, and he's like, oh, you, um, you know, he, he's an a-hole, and he finds out that, that this other guy is a, a gunner mate first-class Philip a-hole, uh, so a major a-hole. The ship is, uh, apparently filled, uh, filled with a-holes. And, uh, so I think the cross-eyed, I mean, it is to look funny, but I think that's also kind of mocking on how, um, a lot of movies, uh, the bad guys always miss the good guys when they're shooting, right? So mm -hmm. I think it, that, that is also kind of a, like an in-joke there. So at this point, King Roland reaches out to, um, Lone Star to, to go rescue his daughter. And Lone Star says that he would accept the mission if they get paid, well, King Roland says that, you know, he'd give them anything. And so, so Lone Star, owing Pizza the Hut, throws out, he would do it for a million space bucks. King Roland agrees, he doesn't like it, but he agrees and uh, that he would pay him a million space bucks to go rescue the daughter. So Lone Star and Barf, they are, you know, approaching the princess, um, apparently where they were in the area because it was so close, um, but... In order to go rescue and uh, distract Spaceball One, Lone Star had to jam their satellite. So, and that's the thing with Mel Brooks um, movies. A lot of things are taking uh, literal. So when they're jamming the satellite, they're actually jamming it with actual jam. And so on the inside, we see uh, Michael Winslow, who plays one of the space balls. And a space ball is basically a term to describe, uh, you know, the, the people on the ship, you know, the grunts of uh, Spaceball One. So Spaceball One, uh, this guy, uh, played by Michael Winslow, uh, who is uh, known for, like, the noises that he can make. Are you familiar with him at all? No, not at all. He's also known from the Police Academy series where he does a lot of the, the noises with his mouth as well. Um, so I think Mel Brooks used him to kind of showcase the, the noises that he can make. So Michael Winslow calls over Dark Helmet and Colonel Sanders to show him that, the, um, you know, that their satellites have been jammed. And it's, uh, you know, the screen, um, there's jam running down the screen. Dark Helmet kind of, you know, wipes it off with his finger and tastes it, and he says it's raspberry. He goes, there's only one man that would dare give me the raspberries, you know, and says it's Lone Star. So I thought this is pretty funny, and again, it's taken a literally, uh, you know, raspberry uh, jam, and you know the... Right, so giving the raspberries too. 
So while everyone on Spaceball One is being distracted because their satellites are jammed, Lone Star uses this opportunity to go ahead and get close to uh, Princess Vespa's vehicle, and um, he sends uh, Barf down uh, on the ladder to uh, to rescue them. So they go up the ladder, and then they put it into hyperactive drive. That way, they can um, you know speed off, and 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 by the time. Uh, Spaceball One, you know, can get their radar back up and working. They'd already be gone. So, so they are. So Princess Vespa and Dot have been rescued, and now uh, Eagle Five is long gone. And now, um, and now Dark Helmet, he uh, tells them to put. What, what does he say? Go to ludicrous speed. Well, for the tractor beam first, just to know that you know they got fooled. So they they pull up. The Mercedes in a tractor beam, where uh, Lord Helmet has this, you know, big monologue-ish scene. You know, he's, he's talking to Prince, Princess Princess Vespa supposedly, but you know, he opens it, his helmet goes up, and he says, it's, "It's it's empty," and then. Um, right. So so now that the, it's empty, they realize that Lone Star had already taken off. Uh, with uh, Vespa and Dot. So he orders them to go to ludicrous speed to try to catch up. And uh, so every ludicrous speed is obviously so fast that every crew member, they start to, uh, you know, use a seatbelt for their own safety. And um, so they go into four different speeds to get up to ludicrous speed. They go to uh, sub-light, and then they accelerate to light speed, ridiculous speed, and then ludicrous speed. So that's just crazy. And ludicrous speed, it went so fast, they went past Eagle 5, and then it leaves a trail of plaid, um, which, you know, kind of parodies the warp trail uh, seen in Star Trek. So on the Winnebago, uh, Eagle 5, this is when um, Lone Star, you know, when they're trying to escape uh, originally, uh, you know, I guess he was driving kind of bumpy, and they were talking back and forth on the intercom there. And, you know, some things were said, and, you know, they didn't like it. So this is when they meet halfway in the Winnebago. So when they first meet each other, you know, they were under the assumption that, you know, uh, Vespa says that, you know, he's probably, you know, looks like a pig, and or maybe he said that about her. But when they meet, they obviously had that kind of uh, attraction at first because they kind of pause, and then they go back into fighting again. So uh, at this point, they meet. Did you have any thoughts here at all? No, not really. Okay, so then they crash land on the a desert from there. But we go back to Spaceball 1, and they're looking at a, a scanner, and they're trying to figure out how can they find where Lone Star took uh, the princess. And also, uh, this is where I get one of my uh, favorite jokes. Uh, I, I call it the now joke. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and insert a clip right here. What the hell am I looking at? When does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? We passed then. When? Just now. We're at now, now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon. How soon? Sir. What? We've identified their location. Where? It's the moon of Vega. Good work. Set a course and prepare for our arrival. When? 1900 hours, By sir. By high noon tomorrow, they will be our prisoners. Oh! Okay, so what that joke kind of reminds me of is kind of the old um, uh, who's on first, what's on second kind of joke. Because uh, uh, Dark Helmet, he's the one who doesn't quite understand now. 
and Colonel Sanders is saying, you know, we're at now, now, and all that. But anyway, it just kind of reminds me of the who's on first, what's on second um, baseball joke. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. Mm-mm. That's fine. We'll, we'll, I'll play that for you another time. Okay. So we do go back to the desert, and uh, it's, it's late at night, so it's kind of dark, and uh, they're around a campfire. Uh, the, uh, Barf and Dot are sleeping, and Lone Star and uh, Princess Vespa, they get a chance to talk and get to know each other a little bit, and we find out that uh, Lone Star apparently was an orphan, and that he was from uh, Ford Galaxy, which, do you have an idea where they got the name of that galaxy? Um, was it, is it a car brand? Car brand? It, well, it is a car brand, but uh, Harrison Ford plays Han Solo. Oh, okay. Um yeah, so he was, uh, I don't know, I guess just uh, found at a monastery. Um, but they, yeah, so they get a little close, and um, they're about to kiss, and then Dot's virgin alarm goes off, uh, which I thought was kind of funny because all they were going to do was kiss, so not a big deal there. Um, but the next day, they're walking in the desert, and they, I don't know if it's hours or days, but to really get that dehydrated... Um, you know, it must have been extremely hot, and obviously they had nothing to drink, but they all pass out. And then this is where we get to see the Dinks. Are you familiar? Or, you they're, know? they're a playoff of the Jawas, right? Yeah, from Star Wars. Okay. So the Dinks are kind of marching along, and they see these four just spread out all over the desert. And they happen to have some water on them, and oil, I guess, for Dot. And they kind of... Um, uh, you know, everyone kind of wakes up and realizes that uh, they're, or they think that they're in Disneyland or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Dinks, they lead them to what uh, I think, uh, well, it's a cave where where they live and, and yogurt. But I think Dot is the one who kind of compared it to Temple of Doom. So there's another reference there to kind of uh, in Indiana Jones. And so they, uh, so what do, you, do you have any thoughts on this scene here, the... Okay, so um, this scene is supposed to be kind of like the Wizard of Oz, right? So they're all kind of, uh, all four of them are walking towards this extremely large uh, statue of yogurt, but they think that is yogurt, but his lips aren't moving or anything like that, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's obviously talking from the side. Um, but we get uh, yogurt, the actual yogurt, who walks from behind his uh, his statue, and he's talking kind of in, in you know in a bit of a Yiddish accent, and uh, he's a short guy, and he's supposed to be a direct parody of Yoda. Yeah, so um, so we get our Yoda, and his name is Yogurt, and uh, he's obviously uh, has a vast uh, knowledge and everything, kind of a mysterious guy, but he's supposed to be the the know all, right? Mm-hmm. So while they're there, uh, Lone Star kind of talks to Yogurt. And, you know, he tells him about this necklace that he's got. And it's written in a different language. And he hasn't been able to find anybody uh, that can translate it for him. Well, Yogurt takes a look at it. And he, you know, he starts trying to sound out everything. And um, Lone Star goes, oh, you can read it. He goes, no, 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 I'm just clearing my throat. (laughs) Which I thought was very funny. Uh, But, um, so Lone Star asks him, what does it mean? And Yogurt says that, oh, you know, he'll tell him that another time. But now they are... Um, learning how to use Lone Star Schwartz. So the Schwartz is a parody of the Force from Star Wars. But uh, instead of... Um, well, in this movie, the Schwartz is... Uh, it comes from Lone Star's ring. And um, so what uh, Yogurt is trying to teach him to do is to kind of use his Schwartz to lift the extremely large statue of Yogurt. So uh, Lone Star 
is you know um, is concentrating and is uh, is aiming his ring uh, at the statue. So he's able to lift it up a little bit, and then Barf comes walking in. It's like, hey, you know, this is pretty cool what you're doing. And then all of a sudden, Lone Star kind of gets distracted and and uh, you know stops concentrating, and then the statue just falls on on uh, Barf. Um, yeah, on Barf's, Barf's foot. foot. But there was a scene where uh, Dark Helmet was kind of combing the desert, uh, and they were, again, literally combing the desert. They had, uh, you know, extremely large combs and brushes and even a hair pick. Uh, but they were able to find out where everyone was hiding by using the Schwartz. And it's funny because uh, Dark Helmet kind of compares it to, uh, you know, kind of like a battery. He says that mm-hmm. yogurt's got the, the upside, he's got the downside or whatever. Um, so that kind of, you know, reminds me of, like, positive and negative of a mm-hmm. battery. Yeah. So late at night while everyone's asleep, Vespa kind of wakes up because she hears her dad calling out for her, um, King Roland. So she starts to follow the voices, and it leads her to outside. And uh, there, there he is, this, uh, you know, King Roland standing there. And then he uh, shapeshifts back to Dark Helmet. It was Dark Helmet this whole time disguised as King Roland. And she, I don't know, faints from that, I guess. And so um, uh, Dark Helmet was able to you know, capture her again, and, um, so now, you know, the next scene, uh, Lone Star is preparing to leave to go rescue, uh, Princess Vespa yet again. Uh, at this point, Yogurt fills up, uh, you know, the gas in Eagle 5 and gives Lone Star a fortune cookie. He tells, uh, Lone Star to open it before you eat it. I've eaten, you know, quite a few fortune cookies, and I usually open it before I eat it, so that, I thought that was a funny comment. So now we're uh, back on the ship, and Dark Helmet is playing with action figures himself. See, this scene, uh, I knew, I already knew before watching it, it was improvised right on the spot. So Lowbrooks gave Dark, Dark Helmet the dolls and said, okay, do what you want with this, and then they recorded it. Yeah, so yeah, I thought it was kind of funny. It's... Yeah, it's whatever. So he's playing with some action figures, and he's making the um, the action figure of himself and Princess Vespa kiss and stuff like that. So he's just kind of living out of fantasy. Uh, yeah, kind of funny. Uh, but so from here we go to uh, to we go to a scene where uh, Vespa is strapped up against a uh, what what it's a table, but he, they're, they're, she's kind of stand up at this moment. Um, and King Roland is called on the monitor. Dark Helmet is asking King Roland for the combination to their air shield. Uh, and he threatens that if he does not do so, he would have uh, this doctor that's standing nearby to give the princess back her old nose. Uh, so I never quite understood this scene when I was younger. I didn't know about a nose job. So apparently she had um, uh, a nose that's kind of like the witch from Wizard of Oz. And uh, they, they would give it back to her if not given the the combination. So King Roland he uh, agrees to give it up. And as they are writing it down, uh, actually, I will just play the clip of this. I knew it would work. All right, give it to me. The combination is one, 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 two, 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 three. Three, three, four, 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 five, five, five. So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. 
That's the kind of thing an idiot would have on his luggage. Thank you, your highness. Well, did it work? Where's the gate? It worked, sir. We have the combination. Great. What's the combination? One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five? Yes. That's amazing. I've got the same combination on my luggage. <laughs> Prepare Spaceball One for immediate departure. Yes, sir. And change the combination on my luggage. Ah! So I thought it's uh, I thought that was pretty funny that uh, uh, Dark Helmet just says that uh, only an idiot would have that combination to their to their suitcase, and then um, President Scrooge actually happened to have that exact uh, um, combination. Did you have any Did you have any thoughts about that? No. Okay. No. Uh, so we are now at the prison ball eight. This is where. Uh, Princess Vespa and Dot is being held captive. So Lone Star and Barf, they arrive up on, on, on deck here. And um, a couple of the guards are outside there asking them to to reveal themselves. And Barf kind of leans out of the door, you know, and flips them the bird. And then these guys, they kind of go after them. And then there's a little, um, you know, scuffle in, inside the Winnebago. So uh, it immediately cuts to uh, Lone Star and Barf, now in those guards' uniform, and now they're posing as the guards, and they're uh, kind of uh, making their way inside to to go rescue the princess. Uh, here's a trope I wanted to throw out, but any time in a movie where uh, somebody is taking like the bad guy's clothes, they all seem to conveniently fit, right? Because mm. these these guards, these bad guys, one's kind of thin, and one's you know the exact same size as John Candy, who plays Barf. Uh, so you know it's a uh, it's a trope. And so they kind of walk around, and then they hear this singing, uh, which I think you even thought at first that it was a guy, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so so Lone Star uh, hears this singing, and she sings that. that um, do you want to sing it? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. And yeah. she, she was even lower than that. Yeah, so she had a pretty low voice. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but in Lion King, Zazu was singing the same thing when, when he was uh, kind of held captured, yeah, yeah. captive by a scar. Uh, so that's the same song. And, but um, Lone Star opens up this, uh, this, this little door you know, to look through, and yeah, it, it's her singing. So he's there to rescue them, gets them uh, out, and they start, uh, uh, you know, they start to make their escape. And it's funny because they go through this hallway with, uh, there's a sign saying, this way out. So, um, so there's all these guards are chasing them and uh, you know they're running for it and they there's this exit that uh that is closing from the top and the bottom right this door is kind of closing horizontally and so they were able to run and jump in at the same time now on the other side of that one of the uh i guess he's a one of the spaceball commanders i forget the line that he's saying but he's like what a pity you know basically that that he's got them captured and um, so at this point, he goes, turn around, please. And then everyone that turns around is not even the, you know, the Lone Star and Barf and stuff. It's, it's all their stunt doubles. So here it is being self-aware that, you know, it is a movie, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? No, it just made me really think that they destroyed that fourth wall. Yeah, I mean, it, I thought it was even funny that the uh, the stunt double for Princess Vespa was a man. Yeah. yeah he had a cigar, too. Um, so they're making their escape, and uh, outside, when uh, before they get into the car, uh, one of the guards uh, shoots, like, a piece of hair, or shoots uh, a little bit of Princess Vespa's hair. Well, that 
pisses her off so much that she grabs a gun, cocks it one-handedly, and shoots them all, you know, in a row, and, uh, and, and then they leave. Okay, so back on Spaceball 1, uh, at this point, President Scrooge is kind of forced to jog uh, to the bridge in order to arrive before the end of the film, is what he says. Um, yeah, he says, the ship is too big. If I walk, the movie will be over. So again, that kind of shows like how big uh, Spaceball 1 is. I think it would have been better if they said, if I walked, uh, it'll be like, we'll have a trilogy or something like that. Yeah. Uh, at this point, they they turn on the switch to transform the space ball into uh, Mega Maid, uh, is what they call it. And Mega Maid is just, um, you know, I don't know, a maid figure, a maid shaped figure with a vacuum. Uh, so this shows that uh, their ship is also a, a kind of a transformer. Lone Star and crew, they are, uh, you know, kind of nearby and they, they kind of witnessed it, uh, you know, changing. And on the vacuum, there's even an on and off switch, uh, which is funny. So what they're doing is they're using the vacuum from the, um, the maid to suck out all the fresh air from planet Druidia. So as, as the vacuum is sucking out all the air, we see that uh, the trees are being taken right out of, the, out of the ground and all the snow off of the mountain. Do you, do you know what the mountain was? Uh, no. Um, the mountain is actually kind of the logo for a Paramount Pictures. Uh, so, so it was kind of a um, you know, nod to that. But uh, So everyone's losing air, and we see King Roland there, uh, obviously losing air himself, and he kind of passes out. Lone Star, using his Schwartz, is um, you know, trying to concentrate and aim his ring uh, over at the off switch on the vacuum. And you see it you know, kind of glow and light up. And uh, he was able to switch off the vacuum, and it kind of blows everything kind of uh, back into back into uh, Planet Druidia. The trees come back, and all the snow go back onto the mountain, along with the air. And then, uh, just in time for King Roland to to um, you know not die, I suppose. So after they were able to um, switch off the vacuum, they fly into uh, inside the head of uh, Spaceball One. And they're kind of scanning for a self-destruct button, which they do find. And um, Lone Star volunteers himself to go in there and, you know, kind of tells everyone to stay. But even Barr said that he wouldn't go with them. Um, so he goes inside and the first guard uh, he comes across, he goes behind and kind of does this uh, Vulcan neck pinch. Are you familiar with this... Uh, well, yeah, it's Star Trek, right? Right. Does it. So, yeah, so uh, he doesn't do it right. He goes, what are you doing? And he goes, the Vulcan neck pinch? So the guard uh, tells him how to do it correctly, and then Lone Star puts him out. Um, the second guy he gets to, uh, this, this uh, spaceball guy, he's, he's shaving. And Lone Star, what does he even do? He, he uses shorts to pick up the hair cream, or shaving cream, and sprays the guard in the face and yeah, yeah. the Vulcan neck pinch. Yeah, he does that to him too. So so Lone Star goes over to this really big switch. It's red. It's the uh, the off switch. And then Dark Helmet shows up. And this is where they get a little battle of him. And there's a, a funny play on the scene from Star Wars and spoilers to those who 
you know, haven't seen this yet. Uh, but the, in Star Wars, there's that scene where Luke finds out that Darth Vader is his father. So in this scene with Dark Helmet, he tells Lone Star that uh, he is his father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. And Lone Star asks, well, what does that make us? And then he goes, absolutely nothing. So they start fighting. They, they uh, pull out the Schwartz. And I don't know if there's any significance, but Dark Helmet's, um, his Schwartz is uh, green. Right, so these are supposed to look like the lightsabers now, and Lone Star's is orange. So, um, you know, I didn't do any research on that, but just pointing out that those were the colors. And so, so they're fighting, right? And there's a point where, like, uh, there's a point where Dark Helmet swings his lightsaber, and it hits a guy like off screen who's like, you know, filming. I don't know if it was like a stagehand or what his role was, but accidentally kills one of the crews filming. And he even blames Lone Star. So they continue fighting, and then they both swing, and then their shorts get wrapped up uh, in, in a really big knot, really. So there's one part where Dark Helmet wants to try to ram his uh, helmet into Lone Star. Lone Star moves out of the way, and Dark Helmet uh, hits, uh, hits a locker. So now he's kind of, you know, probably kind of woozy, and then decides to, uh, to call it truce, right? So, um... So Lone Star kind of falls for it, and they both walk towards each other, uh, you know, holding out their hands, and they, you know, do a little handshake. Well, Dark Helmet pulls off the Schwartz ring, and and, uh, and I'll just play the clip. Be the best man we put her there. The ring! I can't believe you fell for the oldest trick in the book! What a goof! What's with you, man? Come on! You know what? Here, let me give it back to you. Oh! Oh, look at that! You fell for that, too! I can't believe it, man! So, after this, after getting, um, dropping his ring into the vent, this is where Darth Vader actually starts shooting all the, uh, the lasers at Lone Star. Dark Helmet. What did I say? Darth Vader. Oh, okay. So, uh, Dark Helmet starts you know, shooting out the lasers, and uh, Lone Star is dodging all of it. And then here goes another headbutt, which Lone Star moves out of the way just in time for Dark Helmet to hit the self-destruct button. And now, at this point, the uh, self-destruct has been activated. And what, do they start off at 2.45? They start off at 3. Oh, okay. So, so it, it'll take three minutes. Um, so, Lone Star... Basically, he escapes, and then he hops back into uh, Eagle 5, and then they try to get out of there. So this is where we get, basically, a montage of everything going on inside Spaceball 1. And um, all the all the villains, you know, Scrooge, Dark Helmet, Colonel Sanders, they're all trying to escape. Right, so, uh, again, during this montage, there's, you know, there's even a Spaceball song playing in the background. Do you have any thoughts on this? No, but the theme reminded me of something else. Do you, do you might know? Maybe, maybe one of the Ghostbusters or something? Yeah, that's what I was okay. thinking. Yeah, so kind of like that, um, which I, I think is a pretty cool song, actually. So everyone's running around trying to hop into an escape pod, and it only fits one per. They're, obviously, Spaceball 1 is extremely big, right? They even have, like, a zoo, probably a circus there and stuff, because a lot of the characters trying to get out. One guy was one of the Spaceballs that played, like, the drums, um, and then there was a bearded lady, a bear tried to even, even tries to escape. Um, so the remaining three is Screw, Dark Helmet, and Colonel Sanders. They're all without a, uh, without escape pod. And so one throws out that, oh, what about the cancellation button? Right? Yeah. 
And then they, they, they try to go down to it. They open it up and it says out of order. Yeah. And then, you know, Darth, Darth Helmet is like, wow, in the future, nothing works. Yeah, so their cancellation button is out of order. So the countdown starts at 7 and it skips 6. It goes from 7 to 5. They go, 5? What about 6? And then the, uh, the voice goes, just kidding. And then it goes back up to 7, 6. So they just added like 5 seconds to that countdown. Um, which I think is kind of funny, but, uh, so they get, they get down to one and the entire Spaceball one explodes just, uh, just in time for Eagle five to make, uh, make its escape. So as Eagle five is, uh, flying off, you see, uh, a piece of Spaceball one, uh, it's the arm, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the, the arm, the arm is, in the head, yeah, the arm in the head and, uh, you hear, uh, those three guys screaming, so you know that they're inside there somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so those go flying off into space. As Eagle 5 is uh, entering uh, Druidia, it cuts to Lone Star and Barf back on um, the Eagle 5, and they had already uh, taken Princess Vespa and Dot back to Planet Druidia, obviously. And they are watching the news on, on, the, on their monitor, and they find out that uh, Pizza the Hut dies. So now Barf says that uh, they don't even need to keep uh, the money for themselves. And then they go to, uh, to a diner. Um, and if you look carefully, you'll actually see uh, the Millennium Falcon uh, parked outside there too. But uh, at this diner, uh, Barf and Lone Star, they go inside to order some food. Um, Barf has the special and Lone Star orders the soup. So they're just um, they're just sitting there talking, and then off to the side, there's this other group, kind of just uh, they're, they're kind of talking. And I don't think you've seen the first Alien. Not but... yet, but I do want to soon. Yeah. So John Hurt is there playing his character Kane from Alien, and he's eating food, and all of a sudden he gets uh, gets this really bad uh, reaction, right? And he's kind of grabbing his stomach and he's spitting out his food. Well, Barf is panicking and he asked the waitress, what did the guy have? And the guy, uh, Kane apparently had the special, which is what Barf ordered. So he asks her to switch it to the soup. So now, uh, he, he, Kane is laid down on the, on the table and then outbursts an alien from the alien movie. And, uh, it's kind of funny. He does a little performance. He, he sings that hello, my baby song. Uh, and after the performance, both Barf and Lone Star just, uh, you know, they stand up and say, check, please. Okay, and then it goes back to Eagle 5 real quick. And then, um, you know, since they didn't get to eat their food, they just, uh, Barf is still kind of hungry. And then Lone Star's like, well, you know, I got that fortune cookie in the glove compartment. So, you know, uh, Barf opens it up and out comes, uh, you know, a... Hologram. Yeah. Comes out a hologram of yogurt. And, uh, so the fortune is Yogurt tells Lone Star that the, the necklace that he's wearing actually tells him that he's a prince, you know, that, that his father was a king, his mother was queen, so that makes him a certified prince. So, um, so that, you know, Lone Star asks him, which means, and then Yogurt tells him, which means, you know, you, you know, go marry the princess, right? And, uh, it is funny because Yogurt even drops a line and calls Prince Valiant like a, a, a sleeping beauty. So now uh, they continue on with uh, the wedding, and uh, Vespa is Vespa is talking to her dad and saying, uh, you know, that she realizes that he loves her because he didn't take the entire movie. And this whole time, the the priest is getting upset because she keeps interrupting him, and we hear this loud whoosh of something flying by, 
and uh, it's Lone Star and Barf. They kind of walk in, and Lone Star objects to to the wedding. And so he, he walks up, and she's very surprised as to why he's there. And he explains to her that Yogurt told him what the necklace means, you know, is that, that he's a prince, and now they can get married. And, uh, you know, so he asks her to marry, uh, w- you know, will she marry him? And she goes, oh, let me think about it. And with, really, without even thinking about it, she pushes Prince Valium out of the way. And uh, so they do a very short, short version of the wedding. And now Princess Vespa and Lone Star is married. Little little nitpick for me, um, but if yogurt is the only thing in the universe that can read it, then how can he prove that he's a prince? What do you mean? So, once you have... To, he says the birth certificate on the necklace says that he's a prince, but wouldn't she have to know for sure that he's a prince to marry him? I think that's super nitpicky. Okay. Um, I mean, the, you know, yogurt is the Mister Know It All. So, um, but he doesn't have a way for yogurt to tell everyone else. Yeah, this this is a comedy. Okay. You know, it, it, if it was a drama, you know, may, maybe the nitpicky uh, the nitpick might be a little bit more valid. But it's a, it's a comedy. It's 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 one of those that you just got to kind of give it. Okay. Yeah, if you read in too much to it, it kind of takes away a little bit. So yeah, that's uh, that's the movie there. Uh, uh, do you have any last thoughts about the movie? Anything else you want to say about it? Nope. Okay. Well, uh, go ahead and give your rating. So I give it a uh, 4.25 out of 5. Okay, that's I, pretty good. Yeah. Um, I would give this movie probably... I will agree with you. I will give it a four and a quarter. Uh, I think it's a really good, funny movie. I enjoy all the references um, you know, to Star Wars and Star Trek and uh, pop culture at that time. Um, I thought it was well acted. The jokes are super funny, and they still hold up. Uh, the, even even some of the special effects, they really weren't that bad. Uh, what I think they did well was um, a lot of the effects were practical, and I'm a big fan of that. So uh, back then, obviously, not too much CGI, which could kind of take you out if you're just sitting there like, eh, you know, that's just so... Um, you know, so fake looking, but uh, everything worked. I thought all the actors acted well. I thought the jokes were funny. It's written by Mel Brooks and directed by, and uh, everything he did um, has done. I've enjoyed. So, uh, so there it is, four, four and a quarter from the both of us. So I, I haven't seen the original Star Wars movies at all, but this movie seemed like it was completely original to me, even though it had those references to everything else. Yeah. Um, and you obviously understood it, and uh, I know you haven't seen it, but you probably you know 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 some good uh, know some stuff from from it. Okay, so uh, uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into some listener feedback. Okay, we didn't get any emails um, this time around. However, we did get some new reviews, so uh, we got four of them, uh, and. Uh, Phoenix, why don't you go ahead and read the first one from uh, Mike Masunis of uh, Sweep the Leg. I so said, So Time Travel and Peter and Son are doing a really good job talking about some old school flicks and some new stuff as well as, as well like Amazing Spider-Man 2. They break down the movie and talk about it from an adult and kid perspective. Some movies' parents may not let their kid check it out, but if you are the kind of parent like myself that would, it works out. The show is a work in progress and gets better with every episode. Check it out. You will dig it. 
All right, thank you, sir. And the next one, wh who's it from? By the powerful Oz, he said, "Great potential here with Peter and Son duo, both obvious movie buffs, sharing their thoughts in a non-pretentious matter manner. They are a new podcaster and still getting their voices, but every episode better than the last. Enjoy learning perspective of two generations. Keep up the good work." Awesome. Thank you, uh, Mr. Powerful Oz. And uh, third one? By Papa Fett. He said, The dynamic between the hosts is great. Both are knowledgeable and enjoy talking the movies they chose. I can see this podcast only getting better and better as time goes on and they gain experiences. Keep your eyes on this one. Nice. Uh, that that there apparently is a fan of Star Wars. Uh, uh, Boba Fett is a character from Star Wars, so that's a play on that, I'm sure. And our last review is by... Carl's Jr., he said. Like the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> he or she said, So I just stumbled upon this show while looking for a podcast about Godzilla. I noticed that it's a newer show and saw that the first couple of episodes were on movies I really enjoyed growing up watching. And it's a very interesting concept, having your teenage kid watch these days to see if they, quote-unquote, still hold up. Can't wait to see what else they've got in stores. Nice. Thank you very much, uh, everyone, for those reviews. You can go on iTunes and also leave us a review, just like they did. And you can leave a, a star review or an actual review, which is optional. We want to hear your thoughts, uh, suggestions, gripes, whatever you want to say. Uh, email us at hlfpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook. Go ahead and search for our page and like it and get the most recent updates. And follow us on Twitter at HLF Podcast. Um, I'm sure any of those uh, types of social media, you could just search for Hydrate Level 4 and we should pop up. Uh, we got a few likes on there and um, so we definitely would love to hear from you. And so this kind of concludes our um, regular episode. Uh, lately, we've been posting a few bonus ones, and usually the bonus ones are going to be the new ones that come out into the movie theaters. A lot of times, we don't even plan to go watch these movies. Uh, it's not a thing we do often, but uh, recently, there have just been some awesome movies that have been coming out. Uh, so a lot of times, these movies uh, that we go watch at the theater are very last minute, so we don't even get to throw it out, um, thus making it a bonus review. So a lot of, a lot of those times... Um, we, we see like the Amazing Spider-Man. We, you know, we went to go watch that. Came home, did some notes, and I think we rec rec recorded it the next day. Um, Godzilla. I really didn't plan on doing anything at all, but my friend he was interested in throwing out his opinion. So we literally recorded it right after we got out of the movie in the car. So I didn't even take any notes. Anytime we do a bonus, it's probably going to be a new release uh, in the theater. Uh, so we'll, you know, kind of try to take notes. It's really difficult to, uh, difficult to in the theater because it's dark. They won't come too often, but, you know, we'll have them once in a while. Um, so I don't know what we got uh, planned for the next movie. I have one that I want to do, but I'll talk to Phoenix and see if he's got one in mind that he would like to do. So, uh, again, follow us on Facebook and, you know, get, get an update on that. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Nothing else? Nope. Okay, well, until the next episode, I'm Peter. I'm Phoenix. And we're Hydrate Level 4.